0: We need to move. We need to move. I want you to join with me in prayer as we start for the situation in Ukraine. Whether we know their last names or not, we have kinfolks in Ukraine, brothers and sisters. In Jesus. There was a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God on the nation of Ukraine some years ago. One of our own number, the Sammy Tippett, preached in soccer stadiums in five or six of the major cities. His report was that there were thousands of young people, young adults, and older, but ones who had been raised under the communistic doctrine that there is no God, atheism, there's no God. And yet there was a hunger in the hearts of thousands in that nation. And they responded. They got up out of their places in the stadiums and walked down onto the ball field to indicate that they wanted to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is, there is, there is, a real church, not just a show church, not just a building with the name church on the front of it, but folks who have been called unto Jesus and their affection and loyalty is to the same one our affection and loyalty is to in this room and with our streaming family this morning. So what is the church to do when it looks like the world is blowing up? We are, we are so much um, a victim of what the media and a secular media would cause us to see. In some ways, we're not sure what truth is, what actuality is, what's false. But it does seem as if there is enough evidence, if you didn't look at any of the secular media, just the recognition of social media coming out of Ukraine, that something very, very serious is happening, something involving an encroachment from Russia. And there are brothers and sisters in Jesus with babies this morning. they are brothers and sisters of Jesus not knowing where they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep what the covering, the protection is going to be, what the future holds for them. And we need to pray. So I want to ask you to join me in prayer. If you're here in this room or if you're part of our streaming family, I want you to go with me, please, to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, There is nothing, and you know this, the responsibility is not on us to fix Ukraine, to solve the situation. That's not our ability. But Lord, it is in our heart to cry out unto you, Lord, that your mercy, your powerful mercy, would shelter and shield and protect and provide for your people our brothers and sisters in Jesus, your sons and daughters in Ukraine. We ask you, Lord, to give them a measure of peace that they have never tasted of before, a measure of settledness and certainty that they can trust you, that it's all true that Jesus is real, Jesus is here, his power is great, his authority is supreme. And that even if this is a season in which ones would be called to heaven, then that's a place where there is no more devil. That's a place where there is no more lying and stealing and cheating and sickness and stealing. In the Father's house. In the Father's house. Lord, we ask you to give to our brothers and sisters the courage that they need to keep trusting the wisdom that they need to do what you would direct them to do. And we pray as David prayed in the day of war, cover me, cover me in the day of war. Cover them, Lord, in the day of war. We ask you to dispatch mighty warring angels where necessary. The same ones who knew how to unlock the gates and get get Peter out the same ones who have been available on assignment by you to rescue and deliver your people when the time came. Our hearts break for them. Our hearts cry for them. Our hearts petition you in this moment, Lord Jesus. Be great in their hearts. Be great in their lives. And we ask you, O Lord, we ask you and our, we assume our role, our assignment where you said we are to own this earth bind and we are to own this earth loose in the name of Jesus, in the full authority of the Lord Jesus. Our, our heart cry is, as we humble ourselves beneath your authority, that you would Bind the forces of darkness in the name of Jesus that are driving this evil, where it would be an individual, where it would be a person that needs to be set free. Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name to set them free. You've said, you've taught us, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against the principalities and powers, the unseen forces of darkness. Lord, it is against that enemy that we we speak our requests unto you. That you would, Lord, cause your authority to bring them under submission. And that they would be forced to let go of the control of ones who are driving this invasion. Driving this season of unrest and war. We bless you, Lord Jesus, that your name is the Prince of Peace, and we ask you to bring your peace to the hearts and the lives of our brothers and sisters and ones who will come to know you even in this season of And it's in the name of Jesus. Will you say his name with me, please? The name Jesus. Jesus. The name Jesus. Jesus. The name Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, would you take your copy of Scripture this morning and find the book of Acts one more time. Find the book of Acts one more time. Let me begin reading in the first verse of chapter 3. You will have heard this before, but we look at this section of Scripture, this amazing story of something that Jesus did through a person to raise up. To a manner of living and a freedom of expression that he had never known before. That lame man who had never walked a day in his life, met by Simon Peter and John. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, about three o'clock in the afternoon, the hour of prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb, who had been lame from his mother's womb, was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg, to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened, And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. How miracles are made. How miracles are made. In particular, this miracle. How this miracle was made. There are things that constitute the mixture that results in a miracle. One of those is timing. Timing. You can't rush the God of miracles. We can't force him to do something when it is not in his timing to do it. But when it is time for heaven to touch Earth, nobody, no thing, can stop it. Timing, the timing of God, the setting of God, the setting is another ingredient for this miracle. I'll give you this sentence, this thought, into impossible situations, a witness of Jesus is sent to speak what he or she has heard into An impossible situation. A hopeless situation. A witness of Jesus is sent to speak, to speak, to speak what he or she has heard. That is at the core of what happened in the story. Impossible situation. We don't know the man's name. He's just called a certain man who had never walked a day in his life. He was born crippled. That means that young child more than likely never saw the look of delight in his parents' eyes when they looked at him. They saw, he felt, as they looked at him, disappointment, pity, sadness. He never... He never played on a t-ball team. He never saw on the sidelines of a soccer game his mother and father, grandparents, proudly cheering him on. All he saw, all his life, were eyes that looked at him with pity, disappointment that he was a burden, until that day. He was paralyzed in a place of helplessness. Now, lest we lose what is intended to be the current application of the story, may I quickly say, you may not know somebody, you may not have in your circle of relationships somebody who is physically paralyzed. But it would not be unusual if in our circles of relationships, We don't know someone who is paralyzed in shame, paralyzed with hopelessness, paralyzed with a sense of failure, paralyzed, unable to function, have to be carried along in a sense, sensing that they are nothing but a disappointment to people. Nothing but a burden. And somehow, for some reason, you know that person. Your paths cross. Maybe it's somebody blood kin. Maybe it's somebody you grew up with. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody down the street. Maybe it's somebody you just randomly know. But you look at their lives and you hear their hearts And there was a sense of helplessness and a sense of hopelessness. Could this word of encouragement come rushing in on us at this point? You're hard-pressed to find somebody anywhere in the Scripture or maybe anywhere in life today who would not be any more of a picture of hopelessness and helplessness than this man. Over 40 years old. We find that out from chapter 4. 40 years old. Never walked a day in his life. How how many many men do you think it would take to carry the dead weight of a 40-year-old man? Somewhere every day. Ones had to come get him, pick him up, and carry him. He never had the pride of earning something. He only knew how to beg for something. Now folks, these stories are in your Bible for powerful reasons. And so often the Lord will pick extreme examples to demonstrate to us that there is nothing that can stop his power. There's nothing that he can't change. Abraham and Sarah, too old to have a baby. Young David, too young to take on Goliath. But in both of those cases and so many more, the Lord demonstrated his power to set captives free, to end hopelessness, to bring joy to a life that may have never known it. So, into an impossible situation, into a helpless situation, a witness of Jesus is sent. Now that may sound plain vanilla, nothing spectacular about it. I want you to look with me again in your Bible, back to Acts chapter 1, and the words that Jesus spoke in verse 8. He says, and we've been over these words, we've quoted them many times, we've prayed, oh Lord, let it happen in my life so often. He says in verse 8, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. The you here, the people he's talking to, are the ones who understood why he died on the cross. He was dying. For the sins of the world, for their sins in particular, for our sins. They understood that he was buried. They knew where he was buried. And as he's standing there before them, they clearly understood, and he was before them for 40 days, they clearly understood that he had been raised from the dead. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. You need to believe to be able to reap the benefits of the gospel. It's that Jesus died for our sins, died for my sins, individually, but all of us collectively. He died for our sins. He was buried, and he was raised again on the third day. But Folks, one more time. Here it is. Evidently, those folks, if they had died before the day of Pentecost, before the outpouring of power upon them, they would have gone to heaven. They knew enough about Jesus to get from Jerusalem to glory. But Jesus is speaking to those who were saved, who by His Spirit had the work of being born again happening within them. But he says to that group, as he says to us today, but there is power that you need. Power to be able to be my witnesses in the places where I send you. Now, what what kind of power was he talking about? It's a significant word. And it it means to be made capable. To be made capable. Jesus is saying, you're going to receive something that will make you capable of being my witnesses. Do you realize how important that is? They were scared to death. And understandably so, the same authorities who had come after Jesus were now trying to hunt them down. That's why the doors and windows were barred. And when Jesus would show up in the room, he didn't come through a door or window because they were locked. But he says to them, something's going to happen to you. Something's coming to you that will make you capable, capable, capable of being a witness to me. The rest of that can mean you will be given ability that you don't have, capability and ability some things that you haven't been able to do before, you're going to have when my Spirit in power comes upon you. Could it not be that one of those things, that the Spirit coming in power upon us as His people, not just to save us, but to enable us, To make us capable to be His witness would be the ability to better, more clearly, to hear His voice. To hear His voice. You say, Pastor, did you really mean that? Absolutely. Is God still talking today? What did Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. As an indication of this, have you ever had somebody in conversation with you say something to you and it was like it wasn't that person talking to you. It was God talking to you. You were broken. You were melted. As would happen on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached, it says that their, their hearts were pierced. Pierced with the Word of God. Folks listen, when the Lord speaks, that's the same one who stepped out on nothing and looked into the blank darkness and said, "Let there be. He said it, and light happened. That same one let this in. Well oh, nobody else is talking to me, nobody cares about it nobody. If you have been called to Jesus and the cry of your heart is, yes, Lord, I've received you, then that it can also be, Lord, I want to know you in this kind of power. I want you to give to me what you said would be available to your people, that you would empower me to be your witness, which means, as was the case in Acts chapter 3, Peter was going to have to hear something. How did he know to say, walk? Where did that sense of clear, brave authority come from? I'm telling you. He heard something. You can hear something. You can hear something. And when he speaks, his sheep know he's speaking. Folks, this is all about realizing that these holy huddles we're in, like this morning where we all speak out of the same vernacular and we, we, we want to encourage it. And we need to do those things. We need to encourage each other. We need hugs and we need handshakes that this is halftime. This is halftime. This is not the place where the Jesus out of heaven would say to us, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. We don't have any indication that this man in Acts 3 necessarily knew who Peter and John were, but that he had ever been converted, that he had ever confessed Jesus as Savior. So so it wasn't, we can't say, well, they, they were praying for somebody who was already a believer, somebody who was already knowing Jesus. You can't say that. What you can say is that into a helpless, hopeless situation a witness of the living Jesus was sent. Witness is a legal term. It it can technically be Put in this form. Somebody who remembers something that they personally saw or heard. I'm giving you power. I will give you power by my spirit that you will be my witnesses. You will speak what you know personally, what you have seen, what you have heard about me personally. I'll pour out my power, enabling you, granting you capability to speak what you have seen and heard about me. Oh, goodness. It's all about eyewitnesses of his majesty, eyewitnesses of his rescuing ability, eyewitnesses of his ability to heal a broken heart and rescue a runaway sheep. Amen. Not that we're telling somebody else's story. Not that necessarily we're having to go back 40, 50 years in our own lives. It can include that. But it can also mean that we are Given the ability to hear what the Lord would want us to say in a given situation that is consistent with what we know he's able to do. And the knowing comes with such a strength that you can have every PhD in all of the Ivy League schools stacked up to say... Not real. Couldn't happen. And you'd look every one of them back in the face and say, you know, what you say isn't real. I'm telling you, it's real. I was lost and he found me. I was bound and he set me free. I couldn't forgive, but he gave me the ability to forgive. I needed mercy. I didn't need judgment because I knew I was worthy of judgment. Oh, but it was his mercy that rewrote my life, sir. You can think what you want, but I know. I know. I know. I know what Jesus Christ of Nazareth has done for me. That's a witness. That's a witness. Into an impossible situation, a witness of Jesus is sent. That's you. That's me. Understand, as far as Peter and John were concerned, this wasn't a pre-programmed date on their iPhone calendar. They were just going through the normal exercises of what they were doing. It was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That was the time folks went to pray. Not just Christians, but the Jewish ones. That was the hour of prayer. And in something amazingly ordinary... In a routine that probably has been been repeated repeated many times. They they knew who this man was. At At least they recognized him. And to a sense, he may have even recognized them. It was familiar. But on this day, the witness, the witness of Jesus, working in Peter and John, came forth in a way that it had not come forth. Not that they were guilty of being oblivious. It's just that it wasn't the right time. But when the time for this man to be made well came, God saw to it that he had vessels there who would speak his word. Folks... Jesus is in heaven in the sense of where He would make His, at right, the right hand of the Father. He's in us by His Spirit. But the reason He's in us by His Spirit is so that we in, his, in the power of His Spirit can do His work on this earth. Jesus would say, Truly, truly, I say to you, John 14, 12, the works that I do shall you do also. Now, don't give that just to Benny Hinn. All right? Don't give that just to some TV preacher. He wasn't saying it just to the ordained. He was saying it to his people. Expect that there will be circumstances, seasons, times in your life when you will do in my name, by my Spirit's power, the same things you saw me do. And greater works than these. Because I go to the Father. That indicating the place of prayer. He's ever living to intercede for us. The right hand of the Father. He he adds His blessing to the prayers that we make. And many times in answer to prayer, the sick are healed. The broken are mended. And on and on. But it means, it means, and my brother and my sister, Don't you live short of your birthright. Don't you refuse to claim some of your inheritance. You're not a stepchild. You're not someone that to the Lord is just a booby prize. Oh, I got that one. Great. He picked you out. Chose you. Called you knew that you and I would need to be forgiven, so He made provision through the blood of his cross that we'd be made clean through Jesus. And he is commissioning us. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And it was the broken, the hungry, the thirsty, the needy, the poor, the sick, the helpless, who heard him gladly, Instead of us giving off the aroma that if we're disgusted when somebody with a need shows up. Or why don't they just get their act together and quit bothering me with all their troubles. Instead of that being the attitude. The attitude being, Lord I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold. But what I do have, I'm going to give them. And what I do have is your name. What I do have is your authority to bless. And I will speak, speak into that situation instead of running from it. Peter and John could have checked out. But there was something that drew them into the situation, there was something that drew them into the setting. And so here we have Peter tells the man, look at us. Now here's what, it's not written in Scripture, but here's what I believe is going on when that happened. Why would he say, look at us? I believe that in the context of that, he was buying some time. (laughs) And in those moments of that man looking at him and the two of them looking back at the man, there came to be a sense of the presence of Jesus there in the moment. Not an academic, theological, oh yes, God is everywhere, so as has to be here. Simon Peter was in the same general area of Jesus, Caiaphas' house. Jesus was there. Simon was out in the courtyard, physically in close proximity to Jesus. That wasn't enough for him not to deny Jesus. Just knowing that Jesus is somewhere is not enough. The Spirit was poured out so that you and I could feel His presence. Feel it. But you say, I've never felt the presence. Well, have you ever been in a place where you needed to sense His presence in order for there to be courage for you to speak a witness of it? I don't know where God is. I don't know where God is. I don't feel God. But we're never in a place I I can't say that blanketly because many, many seek to live in this place. As you start your day, as you head to work, as you're going through the normal routine. Lord, I believe you're here. I'm sensing your presence. I believe Peter felt that. The presence of Jesus. Sense the presence of Jesus. Not till we get to heaven. Heaven comes here. In the sense of the spirit of the Lord coming to live. I tell you. David said and he said it on this earth. In your presence O Lord is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I was always beholding the Lord in my presence. He is at my right hand. Therefore I am not shaken. We can get so cluttered with chasing down other things in our minds in our emotions, that we can miss the sense of the presence of the one most significant. So in this ingredients for a miracle, hopeless situation, a witness of Jesus shows up and that witness senses the presence of Jesus. Secondly, that witness embraces the authority of Jesus. Peter was not blown away. Blown away by the depth of this impossibility. Why? Because he understood that all authority Jesus had. All authority over sickness, all authority over demons, all authority over the forces of this world in any and every measure. He embraced the authority of Jesus standing on top of everything. Now, we chicken out, we back off if that's not clear. Sensing his presence, but commensurate with sensing his presence is the sense of, Lord, you are who you say you are. All authority has been given unto you. And I receive it in this hour, in this place. And then I believe there was a third thing. He heard. Or, excuse me, the third one says this He sensed also the compassion of Jesus. He sensed the Lord's presence. He embraced his authority. And he felt the Lord's compassion for that man in that condition, in that moment. And then the last thing I believe in that matter of a witness in this case is Simon Peter heard something. He heard something. The man is looking. We don't have a timeline. Nobody ran a clock and reported to Peter how long all this took. Look at us, Peter said. And the man looked at them. And at some point, Simon Peter looked back into those eyes, who had before had only seen disappointment, only seen you're a burden. And into those eyes, Simon Peter tells the man what he's heard, and he spoke it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Walk. You know, I don't know how much time there was there. But if there was enough time for Simon Peter, looking at that man who had never walked a day in his life, and sensing that the Lord wants to do something, Jesus is present, he senses his presence, he feels his authority, he senses the compassion. And I Simon Peter might have just had this thought, well, I walked on the water one day. Well, I saw Jesus walk up to the tomb of a man who had been dead for four days. And say, Lazarus, come forth. I remember when we were in in the boats those nights and we thought we were gonna drown, and then he stands up and he says, Peace, be still. And it slicked off like that. With those things as remembrances of his power and his majesty, and as he can do anything working in the background. Looking at a man who'd never walked before was not such a big step for the Jesus who raises the dead. Simon Peter, an eyewitness, an eyewitness. Folks, listen, and Abby referred to it earlier. We can't forget what he brought us out of. We shouldn't close the book and seal the book and put it in a vault somewhere of what we used to be. You do that and you'll end up being just a dry, good-for-nothing religious pew sitter. <laughs> now, nothing personal. fussing at you. I'm glad you're here and glad you're sitting on your pew. But if we try to check out on those things, that were demonstrations of the power and the mercy and the love of God, then we can dry up in stories to tell as a witness to 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 who he is, to the folks God purposely brings us in the company of. Amen? Tell me your story one more time. Tell me your story one more time. Tell me your story one more time. There's some of your stories makes my day every time I see you because I remember your story. And I love hearing you tell it all over again. Now, what's this all about? Why, why, Why do this? Why talk about this? It's because here is the call upon the church today. This is the call upon you and upon me. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. That doesn't just mean the depths of Africa or Central America or South America or places a million miles away. They were witnesses in Jerusalem at this point in time, their hometown. On their way to Burger King, on their way to Chick-fil-A, on their way to North Star, on their way to Wherever. And somehow, you stop to get gas or, or there's a call that comes and it's somebody you know, but you know they're broken. You know they're hurting. Instead of checking your pockets to say, well, silver and gold, I don't have any, so I'm out of here. It's to declare to them, I don't have a prescription to write you. I don't have a check to write you. But here's what I have, Jesus Jesus, you you may not hear anything, don't make something up. But you can speak his name. You can speak his name. You can can speak his name. Lord, I'm agreeing with you for this one I care about, Jesus. Bring your kingdom, cause your will to be done. He doesn't have to tell us what all of that is. On this day, he told Peter what he was going to do. But you can stand in faith and be a bold Confident witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, not realizing that the outcome is not on you. You're just making sure that Jesus is identified as the source of all hope and all rescue and all power. It's Jesus, period, period. Amen. So when we leave here and we go to get something to eat, Or the week unfolds and there are things on our calendar that come up. The call to us is to see everything as an opportunity to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we're going to say things out loud every time. Sometimes it will be that. And you'll be sitting talking to somebody. Somebody. And you'll hear it to your heart, gospel, gospel. They've never heard the gospel. That's why they haven't been set free. Speak the gospel. Four parts. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried. And he was raised again on the third day. Receive him and he will bring his kingdom to your heart. Receive Jesus. Just receive Jesus. Just receive Jesus. When we've talked about everything else under the sun, moon, and stars, but the Spirit says they just don't know me, they're spiritually dead but I want to bring life to them. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek. And there is no miracle any greater than when a dead spirit is resurrected, is raised to life. This man was going to die one day. He's going to get healed, but he was going to die physically. But that which is a miracle that never loses its impact, never loses its authority and power, is when somebody says, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that He died on the cross for me. I believe that He was buried. And I believe that He was raised again on the third day. And I receive Jesus into my heart and life. Amen. Amen. Lord, wherever this needs to go this morning, I ask you to take it. I pray, Lord, that where some have just backed away, given up, that there could ever be a sense of the power of God using them and flowing through them, I pray that this would be just a fresh call. Trust me. Listen for me. Pray that I'll fill you with my spirit. And then you watch where I put you. Listen for what I will say. Speak what I give you to speak. I ask you to bless your people, Lord, with that fresh sense today. Revival, 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 revival can happen in hearts right now at that point, at that place. We receive what you want to give us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen amen you say you mean to tell me that god could use me to heal the sick what would this say i don't know to say, pastor did you say that if i can't stand behind the scripture then you need to find yourself another church where the preacher will stand behind the scripture my job is just to report to you what i hope a sense of encouragement that what he says here is true. What he did with folks back then, he's able to do again. And if he uses them, has used them, he can use us. Amen. Streaming family, bless you for your participation with us. We can't see you, but we sense your presence and we love knowing that you're a part with us. And the brothers and sisters in this room What a joy you are. What a gift you are. What an encouragement you are. To each other, but also back this direction. To to our staff, to me, and Shirley personally. Thank you for the notes. and Bless you for the ways of support. The financial supports enabling us to do some things. Send these messages in places we could never go apart from your help. Bless you for that. But I just want you to walk away from this thing thinking, okay, Lord. Is there a setting or prepare me for the place where I'm going to be meeting somebody who is an impossible situation? Get my ears ready to hear you. Please help me to be able to recognize your presence, embrace your authority, sense your compassion, and listen for what you're going to say. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Amen. Let's stand together. Would you stand with me, please? And prayer partners, if you'll make your way down this way, and we want to be able to pray with you, any of you here, that that we can be in prayer with you. And then those, our streaming family, Pastor Walker at alamocity.org, a paragraph enough just to let us know how to pray. Any updates, some of you, many of you have given requests, if there's some updates, some points of encouragement, maybe just some all-out answers, we'd love to hear those things too from you. And God bless you. God bless you. Now when you get ready to walk out of here in a minute, would you just look around and see if there's somebody that's in eyesight that looks like they could use a word of encouragement. Maybe a hug, maybe a handshake, maybe a God bless you. Maybe there's a prayer that's in your heart to pray for them. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Let's do what the Spirit is prompting us to do, even now, as we get ready to leave. All right? God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Amen.